There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Happy 80th birthday today to Art Garfunkel of the legendary folk rock duo Simon and Garfunkel. We spoke ahead of his 2017 concert at the Kennedy Center, breaking down his biggest hits from The Sound of Silence to The Boxer to Bridge Over Troubled Water. Hello? Hello, is this Mr. Garfunkel? Yes, it is. How come you're so reticent? <laughs> hey, this is uh, Jason in uh, WTOP in D.C. How are you? I'm very pleased to talk to a man whose punctuality is perfect. Wow. All right. I'll take that. That's a nice little compliment. Here I am you? waiting, wondering, is this one of those A-plus guys who's right on the money? Yes, it is. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll say the same at the end of the interview. <laughs> well, who knows? I don't know how to do these things. Life is Life is too... Fabulous. It's too wide. It's got too many parts. How can we talk about it? Absolutely. But we're going to give it a shot to talk about it. All right, sir? Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess let's just start off like, you know, uh, what can we expect to hear? I know obviously we'll have, you know, your solo hits, the Simon and Garfunkel classic stuff, but I also think I saw you're going to play some cuts from some of your favorite songwriters, you know, the Randy Newmans, George Gershwins. That's Jim right. Expl- yeah. which, which of those songs are you going to be doing? Well, if you're a singer, you can do anything, whatever matches your voice. I've been singing since I was five. I was a crooner singing in the alleyway in Queens. <laughs> I will do, um, I used to do uh, Joe Beam. I don't do that now. Uh, I, do, I have 12 solo CDs. On the solo CDs, there's songs from all kinds of writers from the early 20th century. Uh, you hit some of the highlights that I'll be singing. Uh, I'll do half Simon and Garfunkel and half of those, uh, whatever you call them, anything, uh, any, any song that's great. There's a somebody I'm longing to see, George Gershwin. Mm. I'll put that in the set. Awesome. Aren't you also going to give us a little bit of a, a teaser of your upcoming autobiography? Uh, well, yeah, I've been writing this thing not knowing what I was doing, just, just following the pen to paper whenever inspiration would get me. And out would come these sort of prose poems. They would consume the week, and I realized I'm a bit of a writer, and uh, and I I'll shop them around, see if I can get a publisher to agree. And yes, now a book of mine, my life, is coming out in September of this year, and it has a lot of these little one-minute jobs, and I serve them up on stage, a few of them between the songs. It works. I like that. You get to hear a song, and then you get to hear a little bit of your roots in between. I really like that. And it's called What Is It All But Luminous, right? So keep an eye out for that in September, folks. What Is It All But Luminous? Notes from an Underground Man. Speaking of these little autobiographical bits that we're going to hear, um, let, let's dive into that a little bit. Take us back to, to the very beginning in Queens. Tell me about your parents, Jack and Rose. What were they like? God, that just dawned on me. Those are the characters in Titanic. But they were your parents first, damn it. Jack and Rose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack and Rose were uh, 
a middle-class Jewish family whose parents came from Eastern Europe, but they grew up in America, in the Lower East Side of New York. Dad was a traveling salesman. They were musical in an amateur way. We had a piano in the living room. Uh, nobody was serious about trying to get on the charts, except me. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, and that was my Queen's background. My friend Paul Simon was three blocks away, and that uh, got us together. That's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned that you were blocks away from, from Paul. Um, take our listeners, especially maybe some of our younger listeners that don't know about Tom and Jerry at the school dances. I know that you guys cross paths at some school plays, talent shows, that kind of thing. Explain how you explain the early days with the whole moniker Tom and Jerry and how you actually pivoted into forming the actual Simon and Garfield. Well, I just left off saying I made this friend, Paul Simon. We were in the sixth grade. We were as old as my younger boy is now, little Bo. Uh, Eleven years old, and we started singing, and we followed Alan Freed on the radio. He was showing this new subversive music called Rock and Roll, and we harmonized and wrote our tunes. And we started bringing our songs into New York City, to the Brill Building. We signed a contract. We called, they called us Tom and Jerry. We never could find a name. <laughs> And we had a minor hit record called Hey School Girl when we were high school seniors. This is very exciting stuff for a 16-year-old kid. Absolutely. Making a few thousand dollars, going to college on that money, was uh, it propelled you into grown-up life. Absolutely. So you go to college on that, and I think I believe it's like right after college, you guys uh, do your, you do your debut album, um, and then uh, off of that, the sound of silence. Man, there's some really uh, complex, mysterious, almost lyrics that are going on there. The people bowing and praying to the neon god they made, and that it's the words of the prophets that are written. Okay, so on before this... now you go any further, I must sure. tell you, it's Paul Simon who wrote the sound of silence. Sure. This is a question for him and his writing process, and exactly what he was getting at. I sing Paul's songs with my heart and soul and my interpretation. The Sound of Silence is very urban imagery that if you light on any particular specific line, it makes me want to defer to Paul for an explanation. I gotcha. Well, tell me about then, well, on the flip side of that, then tell me about just the singing it then and, and your memories of, of producing that on the production end then. Well, we, it was one of the earliest songs that we showcased when we set ourselves for Columbia Records and did an audition uh, at Studio A in, on 7th Avenue in New York back in 1964. There was Roy Halley. H-A-L-E-E, -E, our studio engineer. We were meeting him for the first time, and we were to make all our records with him all through the years. He was so wonderful. Uh, we, we, we sang for Tom Wilson. He produced that demo session that got us onto Columbia Records, and we had four tunes. One of them was The Sound of Silence. This was the tune where Artie sang the lead vocal, Hello, darkness, my friend. I'm the tenor. I give, I'm uh, in front there. Paul's doing the supportive harmony. And uh, what can I say about it? We liked it when we were finished with those four tunes. We left the studio today hoping that Columbia would sign us, but feeling very good about our performance. Jason, what I remember most is Paul called me, and uh, that night, Artie, how come you're not the greatest singer? <laughs> how come you're not the greatest singer? That was his way of saying, you did good work today. I think we got signed to Columbia Records. This is Queen's slang, where you, in those days, you say things in reverse. <laughs> hey, take it, however it's phrased. <laughs> That's the sound of Paul and Arthur.
There it is right there. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, so you got signed. That's great. And then uh, another one coming up soon after that. Scarborough Fair off your Parsley Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme album. Um, my parents had that one, and I actually have the vinyl of it now. They passed that one down, so I listen to that one quite often. How did you, Exciting. from a production side, I always thought that one kind of had like a hypnotic, almost dreamlike quality. Um, yeah, it's very flowy. F-L-O-W-Y. It has only, it's a very organic, uh, unforced musical attempt. You, you hop aboard and you ride it. <laughs> but go into sort of the, the musicality of how you create that dreamlike quality. <laughs> well, it starts with Paul Simon, a very talented musical cat. The song is, he didn't write it, it's an old folk song. I wrote the counter melody that goes between the lines. It's uh, an old English ballad. Its secret is in Paul's beautiful picking guitar. We recorded it at a studio in New York that took acoustic guitar sounds and really made it beautiful. Roy Halley made the most of that, uh, those six strings of Paul's Martin guitar. And the naturalness and the ease and the rhythm of Paul's playing made the vocals so effortless. And the record was almost complete when you have two vocals and that wonderful guitar. But we added parts. You know, you overdub. If you come to my concert, this is one of the bits I'm going to go into. Oh, you're going to do it, all right. I'm going to do the song that I wrote that is the counter melody between the lines of Scarborough Fair. So I'll get to that song. It's an uh, I'll explain it on stage. Yeah, there was your teaser, folks, but if you want to get the whole story, you got to come out to the show. That's awesome. Correct. Um, obviously, well, I mean, obviously that one and Sound of Silence, um, we can't think of them without The Graduate, of course, because um, obviously you've had a, a long relationship with the late uh, Mike Nichols who directed that. Originally, wasn't it going to be Mrs. Roosevelt and you had to change it at Nichols' request? Well, yes, that's the story. Uh, we were new to Hollywood. We had just met Mike. Uh he had he was looking for four songs we never came up with uh with anything except what was pre-existing and mike began to live with the songs we already had and he started loving uh sound of silence and scarborough fair so he got it down to one can you give me one new song and we struggled and i said to mike uh well paul has a song he's been working on this is the latest thing called mrs roosevelt Da 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 dee, Mrs. Roosevelt, Jesus loves you. Now Mike says the obvious. All these things look so obvious when it's after the fact. <laughs> yeah, of course. Mike says you have a song called Mrs. Roosevelt, and you didn't think how obvious that would be for Mrs. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we say, well, let's try it, and it, and it worked fine. And it's just. There's your story. I think that Paul, as the writer, would probably say, no, we writers fool around. Whatever f slots in with the right syllables. There's a lot of fooling around. Whatever works, works that a writer uses. Absolutely. Well, the thing, regardless of the lyrics, the part that I love, your guitar slows down as Dustin Hoffman's car runs out of gas. There's so many There's so many times where it's perfectly timed. Um, is that? Did you guys perform it that way, or was that Nichols' idea, or how did, how did that actually work? We worked a picture there in Hollywood on the big sound stage, a giant room with a huge screen that has your movie at the end. Uh, the the picture dictated Paul's performance, and he's staring there with his neck craned up at the screen, getting exactly the rhythm we want to match picture. It's, it's craftsmanship, it's musicianship. Absolutely. And did you ever run into uh, Dustin shortly after that? Tell us yeah, what they were Yeah, I ran into Dustin in an office building in the lobby in New York City. After that, uh, I don't think we had met until then. We both shared that enormous success, but we never worked together. 
it's Mike Nichols who, who brought it all together. And I got a huge bear hug from, from Dustin and that brilliant smile he has that's so incandescent. Uh, he was a doll. You started doing a little acting for Nichols after that, Catch-22, Carnal Knowledge. I think you got a Golden Globe nomination for the latter. Um, take me into the, that transition. Did, did Mike, you know, working with you, uh, you know, as a, on the soundtrack, did he say, hey, you, you might have something here as an actor, or was that more uh, your idea? It was Mike's idea. I was not pursuing an acting career. After I did Catch-22 for Mike, a small role, I guess he felt Artie can do this stuff. And uh, he had a Jules Pfeiffer script called Carnal Knowledge prepared, and it's all Mike being the protagonist and, and me uh, responding. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I'm sorry, I just have your music and movies sort of on the brain because I just saw that movie Baby Driver, which was the B-side to the movie? boxer. It, like? it has nothing to do with the Simon and Garfunkel song, Baby Driver, does it? He uses it in the soundtrack. The whole movie, uh, we, won't, we won't sidetrack too much, but the whole thing is about a getaway driver who has a ringing in his ears, so he has to wear iPod earbuds the whole time and he like you know creates little playlists <laughs> but and there's the movie soundtrack right there yeah it's like a wall-to-wall soundtrack which i know you guys basically invented that back in the 60s but yeah well, but, but baby the, now the whole movie is how's his musical taste if he has long to <laughs> lay down sally then it's a good movie you're gonna have to check it out to see i really enjoyed it it's edgar wright we interviewed him uh, last week but anyway i, I bring up baby driver because a lot of people forget that it's the b-side of the boxer how'd you come up with the lila lie how did we come up with lila lie i don't no, Jason, that's the absence of a lyric. When you don't have a lyric, you sing La La Lie. <laughs> Again, after the fact, these things look important. Right, right. Before the fact, they, they're things you stumble into and you're obliged to give an explanation to, and here I am, obliged. Speak to sort of how, when you're listening to that song, it's, it's, it almost paints a picture. You can, I mean, this is like, a, you know, I don't know if it's Rocky Balboa or whatever, but you can picture that guy, that fighter, and he's scrapping along. Well, if you sing it well and effectively, you can really picture it. This is my job. This is my whole life. I know. It's, I, I would say you'd be amazed how that song could fall flat if the, if the singer didn't put some some shine into it. Well, you guys definitely made a shine. That's great. Well, and so did Roy Halley. That's a, uh, the Boxer is a terrific production. It feels like it's got $90 million of production in it. It's so worked on and fixed and polished and erased and redone. And it doesn't sound it, but it's a real labor of love. Oh, that's so great. Well, we could go through so many of your other songs, but let's just maybe do one more. If we got to get you Bridge Over Troubled Water uh, in, in closing, I think it's just one of the most beautiful songs about friendship, companionship, you know, similar to like Carol King's You've Got a Friend or something. But I agree. It's a great song. I believe it was your last album with Paul, you know, so ironically there was Troubled Water there for you, but take me sort of um, into the post-Paul Simon years. I know you guys reunited in 82 for that famous concert in Central Park and a subsequent tour, but how much contact have you guys had since then um are do you guys ever stay in contact or is that just sort of you know good memories from the past wouldn't you like to know jason <laughs> do you mind if i tease you a little bit yeah that was a I, nice cryptic I, I, I went under the belt there just for a moment i'm sorry no that was great <laughs> uh, like like seasons we have warm periods we have cool periods it's it's still you know we leave it alone a friendship is fun when when you're tickled by the same things in life and then it's left alone when you're not
There you go. Like the seasons, April comes, she will. I love it. Um, That's awesome. All right, well, final question. I heard a little interesting tidbit about you, that you're a bit of a a bibliophile, if you will. You've read over 2,000, have kept like a a list since the 68 of uh, all the books you've read. 1,162. I love it. Dude, I'm the same way with movies. You call out a year, I can tell you what came out. It's like a savant thing. Are you that way? Can you, if you say... uh, Yeah, um, Yeah, it's our anal compulsive thing. (laughs) So wait, if I say a year, you can say the book that came out that year? No, I don't oh, do it that way. I but, just list them all, and I have them written down. I would go to my list. Oh, that's great. Well, I know it's impossible to pick a favorite of all those, but uh, is there one that comes in the close to the ballpark? Well, it's a question I've been asked many times, so I have my answer, and it's the true answer, so I'll go to it. War and Peace, Leo Tolstoy, pretty good book. It just became a Broadway show, yeah. What a book. It deserves its fabulous reputation. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hopefully somewhere on that list will be your autobiography when it comes out. Everybody go check it out. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, Art Garfunkel and WTOP, everybody. Thank you so much, sir. This was great. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.